We're back. Welcome back, Pathless Peddlers. It's, uh, how do we usually start this? <laughs> okay, I, I remember. I think okay. I remember. Hey there, everybody. It's Russ from Pathless Peddle. I am Toffer from Pedal Missoula. And welcome to another episode of Bikes and Bourbon. It's been a while, but we've got a special episode. It's going to be a end of the year recap. Mm hmm. And uh, yep. we've got a special bourbon, or not whiskey, that we're tasting. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a gift whiskey. It is from, uh, we have a. It's kind of like a dual, dual gifters. Yeah, it's the king of the bourbons <laughs> are uh, Spencer yes. Harding and uh, Duncan from Transit Cycles in Tucson. So that makes Spencer and Duncan from Transit king of the bourbons. <laughs> Oh, I missed that animation. <laughs> so uh, before we jump into bikes, I'll talk a little bit about uh, this this whiskey. It's a mm -hmm. single malt, uh, Delbac Dorado, and it's mesquite smoke. And as you can see, uh, it's been uh, it's been enjoyed. It's been enjoyed. Um, I'll say if you're uh, a Scotch person, you will totally like this, and mm -hmm. it's 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 really really good. I thought that today, um, I you have two kind of big review things up on the channel yeah recently um you've summarized all of the bike suppleness that you've been doing like all kind of spring and summer and fall in a spreadsheet there's a spreadsheet involved <laughs> there's there there were some comments uh on those videos i thought maybe um you're pretty good about going in and, and responding to people but i thought maybe we could get a little bit more personal response personal response <laughs> a little bit more explanation this first kind of set here comes from the um, supple award video. <laughs> so a uh, nice fun take on <laughs> the supple award thing. Just awards in general. It's award season. It's award, <laughs> yeah. So um, so David Bond wrote us, or wrote you to say, yes, once you've tried some of the high-end custom bikes out there, you have a hard time going back. I tried a roll-off equipped co-motion bike a couple years ago, and after about 45 minutes, my reaction was like, whoa, I've got to get one of these. Yeah. So what do we make of, so spoiler alert, <laughs> the most supple bike of the year was. It was a breadwinner G-Road. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that was on the higher, I mean, that's it's not a production kind of, um, it is a kind of a production bike for them. Right. But they are, uh, them is breadwinner, a few frame builders working together, yeah. um, Ira and Tony um, mainly. And so I mean, they kind of have a production. I think they have kind of like a base idea of like, you know what you're getting with the G-Road. Right, right. But it's not like a Surly or a Kona where it's like no. being produced in like mass quantities and uh, bike dealers have them for you to ride. Yeah. So how do you feel? I mean, like, where, where do you come down on on that kind of being something that like there is is there really something to custom being just like if you ride a custom bike you won't be able to go back to your surly or um in some ways yes. So first off, like when I was trying to pick the supplest bike of the year award, I really didn't want it to be the breadwinner. Like I tried my heart hardest to like rational rationalize myself outside of like from not giving it to the most expensive bike. Yeah. But I think uh, having a chance to ride that in uh, some nicer steel bikes, the biggest difference is kind of the tubing. Like when you get a, a Surly, a, you know, a Kona, whatever, like any mass produced like steel bike, 
they are by default they're using like a beefier tubing and they're assuming like the lowest common denominator of use so someone that's going to put a ton of uh, stuff on it someone that's going to abuse the heck out of it so they kind of have to like overbuild the bike for right. kind of you know cover your ass purposes right whereas like you know you get a custom bike you tell them exactly what your uses are uh, they figure out you know what you weigh what you know like how much you're gonna put on the bike and they're gonna tune the tubing so it's gonna do that task and not be overbuilt for more right so. yeah so I thought that was yeah I mean I I have um, and you you have like your your Belinky mm -hmm. was kind of custom-made for you um, and I have a couple of cup like of custom made bikes, and I, I I definitely can like feel like obviously there's that <laughs> there's that special quality to them, but I I don't think it like has completely ruined like I've like especially in the winter I have a Surly Wednesday right. fat right. bike, and I don't like feel like like oh this like I don't know there's sometimes I'm just like bikes are bikes yeah you can I mean once you become aware of some of the nuances between them yeah but I don't think that yeah I mean like I yeah should, I don't think people should like be bummed out or and then the other thing well we'll get to this maybe yeah. i think there's a question about I, I think for most like a production bike is perfectly fine there's lots of great production bike yeah. bikes like the kona rove and her bdl like was actually super stoked on yeah uh, you know midnight special and it's yeah. only like after having like sampling like the potential of what these bikes could do that you kind of like in retrospect go eh, well sure. but like for the most part they're 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 great bikes so I love I love like the idea that this spreadsheet that you made is like uh, it is it's, a, it's a, I know that you put a lot of work into it and um, but so since you've already built a supple scoring tool, I would, uh, this is from Jordan E. I would love to see you add a price column and divide the supple score by price to indicate the best value. Mm -hmm. So this is what I was actually I was getting ready to say something along these lines about because right. the breadwinner is is a custom bike. But yeah, so this would help folks find the best ride in their budget ranges. I believe you when you say the G-Road is most supple. However, at 5K, <laughs> it would need to be five times better than a journeyman or journey person <laughs> to hold the bang for buck ratio. Yeah, and I- So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I responded to, to Jordan and I, and I said that, um, you know, I, I, you know, price is a reasonable like column to add now that I know how to use the spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of like using that as a value, like I feel like that's too subjective because right. like people value different things, people's budgets are different things. Right. Like for example, like some people are looking for, you know, frame, but really value like good components for the price. Yeah. Whereas like I'm kind of more after like more interesting ride and I'll deal with like, you know, kind of okay components because I know I can upgrade them in the future. So I'll pay kind of that interesting geometry tax, hmm. you know, but that might not be the priority for, for other people. Right. So. And then it also struck me that like that $5,000 is a lot of money for a bicycle. Like I'm not <laughs> going to deny that, but there's more expensive. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, like you can routinely find double the price right. for custom bikes. Right. Um, or even and, stock. Some, and, some production bikes cost that much, you know? Yeah. And people don't like, they're like, yeah, that's just what these bikes cost. And so right. um, I think, yeah, once again, it's even hard because I think that for a lot, like if, if you're watching this and you are just a consumer who buys one bike every 10 to 15, 20 years, mm -hmm. outlaying a lot of money, you're like, I want this bike to be, but also it's like, uh, I don't know if I want to just like put a bunch of money at one time into a bike. Right. Um, but if you're like a 
and it's like a bike shop employee trying to talk to people about how much bikes cost. People can be like, you want me to pay $1,500 for that? Like, that's a lot right. of money. And yeah. so it's like, yeah, like people can, it's hard to like try to gauge. And to me, I think a breadwinner fits nicely. I mean, if you think about like, um, stragglers you know being like in the 1600 range i think yeah roughly. so okay so so midnight special like just under 2000 yeah right so for you know double well more than double that uh you get a little bit lighter frame uh a little bit more interest sophisticated tubing yeah uh, just as much utility you get to pick the color you get <laughs> size it to your uh, exact proportions if, if things like made in america yeah. are important to you yeah you get to be you're supporting kind of a local industry you're supporting yeah. like the local economy of portland so yeah it's kind of an interesting just like i don't know if with bikes it's as simple as just like this bike is a lot cheaper and you can therefore say that you're getting like more out of it i don't because right. i feel like and then there's also bikes where I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I also think it, it like it's but, like I can totally relate to being only able to afford like you know like a five hundred dollar oh, bike. Yeah, so when yeah. I first started getting the bikes, you know, it's like my you know my perception of their relative value was you know right. It's like what do you mean a thousand bucks for this bike? <laughs> right. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, like that's what. Yeah. Well, if you need the bike just as a tool to do a certain thing and doesn't have to like you know tickle your aesthetics or, or senses <laughs> right. in a particular way, then yeah, go for like the budget bike you can afford. Uh, but you know if you you know if you grow to love bikes and appreciate the nuance and kind of the you know. Yeah. eccentricness of, of mm -hmm. different things that you can do to your bike then you know your your I guess your threshold for what an affordable bike is like slowly goes up <laughs> yeah so one of the things I noticed when I was watching it um, is because I see you fairly frequently and I see you on the Velo Orange Orange <laughs> Velo Orange so I know that that's a bike that you really enjoyed but then it wasn't right and then and and clunker 714 said, Something silly. He said, I thought you liked the Velo Orange. No? It's all lies. <laughs> and so, but then, and, and, and once again, if you're, you know, if you don't like ever read the comments on YouTube, you're probably a really smart person. But um, I think sometimes like the Pathos Pedal community right. is pretty good about having constructive things to say. Right. And, and this is one of them, like kind of bringing up why no Velo Orange right. in, this, in this year in review. And you said, it's a good all-rounder. Um, well, you know, it's a practical purchase, but it's not necessarily like a like doesn't embody all the things that a supple bike can. Right. And so that there's a difference sometimes between what is this like perfectly supple bike yeah. versus a bike you'd want to yeah. ride. Yeah. So in that in that list, I was searching for like the pl my my platonic ideal of like what the supple bike would be. And like the breadwinner hits it most, um, you know. Clearly, I did not buy the breadwinner. <laughs> so you can have ideals, and then there are things that you 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 purchase and you use in in reality. And you know, just mm -hmm. like cameras, you know, some people like lust after you know like a Leica or Hasselblad, but you know we're shooting this with a Lumix. Yeah. <laughs> so and it gets the job done. And it gets and it's yeah. Nice. That, so it doesn't it's mean I, I don't like the Bell Orange any right. any less. I mean, clearly yeah. I do. I write it a lot, but <laughs> yeah. you know just. In that, in the entire spectrum of like the the par excellence, you know, yeah. the, it, the the breadwinner was was more supple. <laughs> so, um, just to take a slight break here with uh, the grammar police. The grammar police. <laughs> it's not an episode of Bikes Suburban if we don't 
get to talk about our ability to uh, pronounce things um, or our word choice. Uh, and Jeremy Poe mentioned, come on, English major. It's not first annual, it's inaugural. I think he was kind of, there's a, there's a little there's a smiley, face. smiley face thing here. So he's, he's kind of ribbing you. And then, um, because Jeremy only uses commas for punctuation, he does not have a apostrophe in his it's there. So uh, Brian uh, Feltovich says, come on, Jeremy, it's it's with the correct spelling. So it's, it is. Not first dance. So, right. um, make sure we're being grammatically correct here. People, so I, it's, it's invading the comment section. <laughs> so I was an English major. Not a very good one sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like to read the books. Not always best at using the words. I'm, I'm, I'm better right. in like the the big picture conceptual uh, idea communication rather than the 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 punctuation apparently. Yeah. So one of the um, tan. 240SX wrote a very interesting idea here. Would be very interested in seeing if you could do a video on building up a bike that could contend with the breadwinner and still be affordable for most people. Which is like an interesting idea of like what frame, yeah, like a frame set that you could choose that would, is a production frame set so that people could go into their local bike shop and buy this frame set and then how would you build it up? Mm -hmm with the components. Yeah, so like I, when I was doing that review video, I was thinking about about if, if you could do that. Yeah. And the, the, the closest I came up with would be if you got Midnight Special frame, got rid of the ugly fork, and put on like the hunter-gatherer fork. Because yeah. then you'd have the, the quick rear end, actually quicker than the breadwinner, uh, and mm. like a functional like low trail fork that you can put in uh, low rider mounts and a random rack. Or something like the uh, Radio Labs uh, Spork, which mm -hmm. is kind of like their utility fork. Um, yeah. So you could, but I mean, okay. Mm -hmm. So you'd be. I don't know, what does the frame set cost? Like a thousand or something, and then. I don't know what the Midnight Special is. Yeah. But... So like Midnight Special Complete, two thousand or just under two, mm -hmm. and then the Hunter Gatherer Fork, five hundred. So twenty five hundred. Mm -hmm. So that, or you could just buy the Breadwinner frame. <laughs> <laughs> So like you could like it's more affordable, but like yeah. you still can't ride it out. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard because also like unless you're a bike mechanic yourself, right? Like I can buy like parts to be to be as inexpensive as possible. I would still have to pay somebody to right. like. I mean, there's like I can do some things on my bike, but like I would not want to have like bike parts, right? Bike frame. Right. And then try to marry the two. Yeah, you'd have to get I like wanna, a. I would want to have a like a headset tool, a bottom bracket tool, all sorts right. of things. So there's different things that can make it more expensive from that whole like. But if you're if you're capable, I think that there could be some interesting, could be some fun builds. Yeah. Um, let's and like maybe like let's bookmark this idea because <laughs> we're gonna. Uh, you're gonna learn at the end of this episode what Russ's prediction for 2019. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the next big trends of 2019. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right, the couple, just a couple more comments. I want to get your opinion on here. Um, this is uh, so switching gears here to the spreadsheet <laughs> video. This is awesome. Which was like, I think it was really great just to see the enthusiasm. Like there's a lot yeah, of- spreadsheets. Yeah, like it was kind of awesome to see like all the bike nerds yeah. being like, yeah, spreadsheet. Like, yeah. Um, this is awesome. Hope you can do the checkpoint and topstone 
Uh, one, are they both tracks? Uh, Checkpoint is track, Top Stand is Cannondale. Uh, because so many brands are hard to get if one wants to buy local and does not live in a super great biking market. All right. I thought that was a great point about what mm -hmm. I find the value of your reviews to be, which is that, you know, the bike market is often, you know, you have these bike shops that have their brands that they carry. Right. Um, and then anyways, like a lot of brands aren't even like breadwinner, you can't find them. So it, it, you rely on the internet to like inform yeah. you about how they ride. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was such a great thing about the spreadsheet was that there's so often, it's not like you can just go into your bike shop and find. Yeah. Yeah. So, bikes, so like the, he asked uh, specifically about the uh, Candale and Trek. Yeah. And what's interesting in doing all these review bikes is that it's actually harder to get hold of demo bikes from larger brands. Just because there's this whole like bureaucracy of, you know, who is the, uh, you know, the, the right PR person. Whereas as like a breadwinner, it just, you know, <laughs> it, I had just contacted Tony, <laughs> Yeah. you know? So in some ways, you know, it's easier to, to review bikes from smaller makers, uh, more difficult from um, uh, larger brands. But what, yeah. what I find also interesting is like, if you look on YouTube, there's like very few reviews of the Candale slate. Mm. I think there were like zero. And up until like we posted the Kona Rove video, no reviews on the Kona Rove. Mm -hmm. So like I, which, which I'm still trying to figure, like unpack, like does that mean they only give to, to the press with the expectations of purely positive reviews or is their demo fleet really that uh, limited or do they really try to control the message? Um, mm. So it's interesting as someone that's, you know, I've only been reviewing bikes like this for a year, like navigating that. But like, I do find it strange, like, okay, so there's, like you, there are videos of like the, uh, you know, Candale Slate uh, release event <laughs> where they fly in the press and they all ride the slate, but no like, you know, actual like review, I think, right. so. Yeah, I I find, you know, QBP has, I think, done a pretty good job about being open and mm -hmm. talking to you about different surly bikes that are available or salsa. Um, and so, yeah, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, I guess not like super interesting, I guess it's just that yeah, there's like a bureaucracy there. There's just like yeah. channels that are having to be worked <laughs> through and they, as like a bigger brand, have already set aside maybe, okay, we have these bikes to yeah, demo. This, this and, goes to bicycling, this goes to Peloton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, soon, Pathos Pedal will be on their schedule. Yes. They'll have to reckon Dang it. with. They're gonna fly me to Mallorca for their releases. <laughs> <laughs> from, that'll be from December to April. Right. <laughs> um, and then, so this is once again a comment. Um, I'm not sure Hajim Hajime Kuma. Uh -huh. I'm not sure how to pronounce Hajim Hajim Kuma. Please do a do it. So this is the spreadsheet. Please do a similar uh, for tires. Can't believe how much I struggle choosing new rubber. Tires. Uh, yeah. Spent my hard earnings on Conti Speed King CX in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there are lots of different. Uh, like tires, handlebars, mm -hmm. some of these things that like feel interchangeable, saddles, they feel mm -hmm. interchangeable, but it's like hard to know right. how they compare or like, um, what I liked, what what made like kind of like with bourbon and whiskey, it made me think how you broke it down, like how you can have like your flavor profile that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And when you did that with bikes, it kind of helped me think about for people, how they can think about bikes right. and how it breaks down and how there needs to be similar like, mm -hmm. Because you try to go on numbers, but you're like, well, what's 650 by 47? Like, right, right. what does that mean? Um, 
Yeah, tires. So it seems uh, like tires, handlebars. Tires has been requested a lot. And you, the magical thing about spreadsheets, I could add another sheet. <laughs> it could be sheet number two, just on tires. So you can cross-reference bikes and tires. And that, speaking of tires. <laughs> Whoa. There's, there's like a, there's just a box. There's a box full of tires. So unfortunately we have a winter here in uh, Missoula. Otherwise there would be more tire reviews because literally I have a box of tires to review. Uh, WTB Sendero, uh, a bunch of tires from um, Simworks. Oh yeah. This is their Volumi. The Volumi. Um, Specialized came out with a new 650B all-rounder tire called the Pathfinder Pro. So, tire reviews in the future. Uh, Laura and I are actually gonna be heading to California late January, early February, and I'm mailing a box of tires ahead of time to review them. Nice, <laughs> awesome. So yeah, look for those. Um, so I think that's all the, the comments. Uh, yeah. We're gonna talk about future trends. Well, hold on, because right. I, I <laughs> one of the things that was a comment, people, um, more Laura in videos, I can, I second that. <laughs> I, whenever I see Laura, I feel like one of the first questions I ask her is like, are you wearing any of this for review? <laughs> are we gonna get a Laura video soon? Right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, by the time Laura gets home, it's it's dark, cause winter. Right. <laughs> and she's usually tired, but we there is uh, more content on the way with, with her. With Laura, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, 2018, pretty interesting year. I think the, the year where 650B made a big splash. Yeah. Definitely um, broke through. Yeah, we started uh, 2019. Um, my my hot take on 2019 is uh, in terms of gravel, we're gonna see a, a bigger like divide between gravel as uh, sport as racing mm -hmm. and gravel as adventure. Mm -hmm. uh, the gravel bikes gonna be more specialized. Um, you know, a couple years ago, uh, Salsa released the uh, Warbird, which was the first gravel racing bike, mm -hmm. and people laughed. And now, <laughs> yeah. and now there's yeah. like aero gravel bikes. So I, I think we're gonna see like this continued stratification of uh, of like the gravel bike mm -hmm. uh, segment, um, which will be interesting. I hope like uh, gravel bikes multi or multi-purpose like adventure gravel bikes don't fall by the wayside and right. everyone gets all sporty. Right. Uh, but that's you know there's that. And when it gets more sporty. It means there's less places to mount things. <laughs> yeah, like, like all of a sudden, like you know, no mounts. It's like then it becomes just like a, such a specific tool for, for one task. Yeah, and they're building it for maybe like a hundred, two hundred mile endurance events rather yeah. than people who might want to do that, but they also might want to go on a tour off road, or yeah. they might want to just have a, a really chill bike to enjoy exploring yeah. their, around their uh, home, or if they go on vacation someplace. So yeah, yeah. So another big trend that I see in 2019 is we're gonna see more bikes uh, ship with OEM subcompact gearing. Mm. You know, kind of controversial, like lots of people freak out. <laughs> um, what are you talking about? Don't change my gearing. <laughs> but we're, we're seeing it already. You know, uh, there's limited options, but uh, Shimano does have a, a gravel group set. Uh, right now, their only component is like a derailleur, uh, Ultegro derailleur with a clutch. You gotta start somewhere. Right. But I, but I think That's down the line we're gonna see uh, hopefully uh, a Shimano and SRAM like subcompact um, mm -hmm. in the future. At least that's what I hope. Yeah. But I think my my the, the trend I'm most interested in, in in 2019, which is related, I mean I think we're gonna see more uh, supple bikes like in that genre of a true uh, like a like quiver killer, but also the the utilifork <laughs> or what I'm calling the utilifork. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, 
like brands like uh, Endpoint, they have their hunter-gatherer fork. Um, you see Rodeo Labs, they've got their spork, uh, which is like a carbon fork, but it's got three-pack mounts, low-rider mounts, all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're gonna see that incorporated more into just mass production mm -hmm. bikes. I, it's a little, like, I understand why bike companies wouldn't want to like overproduce forks that don't come with frames because then you have potentially like the potential for there being like extra forks sitting around. Right. Like how many do you <laughs> order of like just single forks? But um, the idea of there being forks that could fit on different bikes and that could, um, I mean, it would require you to be like a little bit on the nerdier end of like wanting yeah, to true. alter your bike and like put on a fork that's not. Yeah. The, but. It feels like that's something that could happen and um, for lots of different reasons. I mean, there's like forks that don't have enough clearance and so you could get a fork that has more clearance so you could fit the type of tires you want in there. Right. Or like you were saying, it doesn't have the mounts that you want. So the whole like fork being an interchangeable, like I think for like for mountain bikes, that's common. Like you put a different fork on, um, you can upgrade your suspension fork. Mm -hmm. And we think of like mountain bikes as almost coming sometimes like without a fork. Like we right. just think of them as like a frame. Right. And I, I wonder if that would ever, because of gravel, catch on in like the the like road bike yeah. world where you could have different, a fork could help you change out the feel of your bike. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I think so. I mean, I think, um, you know, the fork can alter like vastly like the utility of the bike. Because yeah. most you know carbon forks up until recently, no fender mounts, no rack mounts. Now we're seeing that uh, become more commonplace. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a bike that's got a carbon fork and you want a carbon fork but need to carry stuff, there's gonna be those options. Uh, it can also change the geometry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so forks specifically with like lo low trail that are uh, you know better designed to carry front load uh, to, to, so you can switch things up on your bike. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see like why that wouldn't be so far of a stretch. I mean, the biggest challenge, like you said, is going to be making a fork that works on most bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, because, you know, there's like tapered head tubes. So many standards. There's non-tapered head tubes. There's, you know, yeah. So, I don't know. But, that, but honestly, that's the bike industry's own damn fault for, <laughs> for making too many standards. Yeah. You know, like if you have a steel frame and you want to add a different type of steel fork, mm -hmm. like that could, that could be an interesting pairing to see. Like, I mean, especially I thought it was really smart that Endpoint sent you um, the coffee grinder frame with the hunter-gatherer fork. Because right. I feel like it that really like stepped it up right. in what you were looking for. And so it's like, oh, that's an interesting idea that you could make a bike, you mean like the Midnight Special, yeah. be a little bit, you yeah. know, like, oh, I have more mounts and this fork yeah. does better stuff for me. Yeah, you know, you have a funny story about that bike. <laughs> it was actually a customer's bike. Who follows us on Instagram? So, like, after I posted the review, he was like, "I'm stoked you like my bike." <laughs> <laughs> but like, whoever, like, I've not met this person in in, in person, but we yeah. have like very similar tastes because the way it was kitted, it, it had like a, I think it was a 4028. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it would it would have been like the bike I would have built from scratch. <laughs> so we're, we're definitely finding our people. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think. Um, you know, my like the idea of the supple bike, a bike that is uh, fun, responsive, but is also you know has a lot of utility. Mm -hmm. We're gonna see more brands do that in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because a bike can carry stuff doesn't mean it has to be like slow. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and likewise, just because a bike is fun and zippy doesn't mean that you know it can't carry things. Yeah. Um, I think 650B adoption, like the smaller brands will still do it. It seems like Kona is all in. 
uh, you know, clearly surly, um, you know, salsa, like from... It'd be interesting though, like to see like brands like Salsa, where it seems like the 650 version of the Warbird was not designed around. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see like how, like if they really, if some of those brands like really commit to it or I think I think they, they will. I feel like like Surly in the QBP family is kind of like the the laboratory. Yeah. <laughs> they'll try something weird, see if it sticks, and then they'll they'll uh, move it upscale. Sure. Like maybe we'll see like a all city like six fifty B word bike mm. or something. Because um, it seems like the Midnight Special has been successful for them. I, mean, I think it seems so. like it's gotten a lot of buzz and a lot of people are really pumped on it. Yeah. Um, I think like. Maybe Trek and Giant and Specialized are still in like the wait and see. Mm -hmm. Like they'll they'll tout like, oh, it's 650B compatible, but they're not going to commit to like a, a bike. redesigning a yeah. bike around it. Yeah, mm. I do think it's important. Like like having tested the the Warbird and 650B, I mean it works. Yeah, you know, it's it's a good bike. Right. But I do feel like you know if they built it around that because it's got front i, I rode with, with, with front low riders and i felt it was a little low yeah but if it was built specifically around 650b you know all the mounts would be up a little bit uh slightly higher bottom bracket so it'd still be you know livelier yeah um so maybe 2019 uh we'll see some dedicated 650b bikes mm -hmm. uh more bikes in the the supple category and yeah, the utilifork. Utilifork. <laughs> New hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> you no longer have to mount weird clamps to the fork. Right. <laughs> to carry stuff. You can just. Right. You know, your fork will already come with like a million silver. Right. Just nipples all over the place. <laughs> all over the place waiting for you to attach things. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's wrap up with the Dellback Dorado. Oh, it was so good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah, definitely like uh, a super easy sipper. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just for hanging out. Um, I mean, I, I like that it's rich and there is like a smokiness to it, mm -hmm. but it's not like a super like peaty scotch smoke. That's right. It's really it's pretty, yeah. it's rounded. I mean, it's it's yeah. like it's still there's lots of sweet sweetness, some light notes, but like just I really like the smoke. Yeah, I really do like the balance of the sweet and the smoke. It does yeah. a really good job of that of balancing those out. Yeah, so if you guys can get this, we can't get it here in a, a Missoula, unfortunately. It's 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 worth the buy. So thank you, uh, Spencer and Duncan. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and I think that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so until next time, keep the supple side down. <laughs> Cheers.